C-A-U-L-K, cock, was the wordle yesterday. <laughs> it's bullshit. Cock. You always come in with just some heat for the intro. How about welcome to the Just Baseball Show instead of yelling a phallic object at, at our audience? Cock. Cock is not a phallic object, dude. Cock. C-A-U-L-K. New York Times has ruined wordle. Uh, but by the way. That's fair. This is the Just Baseball Show. Jack McMullen, Peter Apple. <laughs> we are doing our best. It used to be Jeff Luno. Who is it now? Uh, our best Astros GM impression. We should know this as the co-host of Jeff, the Just Baseball Show. The old GM of the Astros? It was Jeff Luno. Yeah, I don't know before that. Hold on. James Still Click. No, Jeff Luno, Jeff Luno was the old GM. <laughs> James Click is the new GM. Luno was the one that got in trouble. I thought I, I was confused at your wording, but at least now we could just talk about the Astros or something. Yeah, I mean, we have just started this pod like gangbusters, huh? I mean, we are off to a blazing start on this Thursday, February 17th. How are you, by the way? Well, we did. I'm doing pretty good. We didn't have a pod yesterday because um, I was definitely feeling under the weather. I don't know what kind of diseases I brought back from Las Vegas, but they're not helping my my headspace right now but we're back and we're ready to talk astros so if my voice is around 80 85 it should be 100 percent by next week can you just walk uh, you don't have to tell us what you did in vegas just tell us what time you went to bed each day in vegas that that was the problem it was 6 a.m then 5 a.m then 9 30 a.m then like terribleness and then the worst part is i flew back from vegas after the game immediately on a 10 p.m flight in Vegas, so that's 1 p.m. East Coast time. Get in at 7.30. Then we record the podcast later in the day. I woke up in the morning feeling like the worst I've felt since ever. I don't know. Horrible. So, like, we talked about my 4.15 night. Uh, and I wasn't doing anything to like put toxins in my body. Like I wasn't, you know, gambling or, or drinking or anything like that. I was just sitting on a bus. Um, that schedule five days in a row, I think I'd be dead. I don't think my body could take that. Thing is, I'd do it again in a second. My Rams are Super Bowl champions. I wouldn't sleep for a week if I could have another Rams Super Bowl. That feeling of your team winning the Super Bowl. Because, you know... As a Yankee fan, you know, we all like to brag the 27 championships, 27 championships. But yet, we haven't won one since 2009. I'm 24 years old. It's really the only one I remember. So I can't even hang my hat on, oh, well, I get to see a Yankee championship ever once in a while. No, all I see is pain from them. And then as a Knicks guy, I mean, I may never see a championship in my entire life. So walk me through the Rams. Did you become a fan as soon as they moved to L.A.? Yes. So slight bandwagon from me. I mean, you could call it whatever you want. But that's I, your team. Like no, up, no team existed team. in Los Angeles before the Rams and the Chargers. 
And the Rams were there first, then moved to St. Louis, then back to Los Angeles. When, you know, because growing up in Staten Island, I became Yankees and Knicks because of my dad. But he wasn't really that big of a football fan. So I just, I really like fantasy football. I really like Calvin Johnson. I was even following the Lions for a little bit because I really like Matthew Stafford, which, incidentally enough, you know, is now the quarterback of the Rams and the Super Bowl champion, Matt Stafford, and a top five quarterback. But who's ready for that conversation? Yeah. But moving on. When they moved over to Los Angeles, I was like, you know what? I really just want a football team to latch onto. So as soon as they did, I'm like, all right, that's now my team for the rest of the time. And, you know, we've, in, we've endured some things. We lost to the Super Bowl. Um, but the Rams are pretty good. But it feels like a bandwagon because ever since they moved to L.A., they've been pretty damn good. Yeah, it's no recent success of, of the Bears, but uh, it'll do, I guess. Um, yeah, some, some really hard goes of it for the L.A. Rams and their fans now losing in the Super Bowl and then coming back and winning the Super Bowl a couple of years later. Uh, 1985 was apparently awesome. <laughs> I heard it was great. You like Justin Fields? You believe he's next? I do. I don't or like Matt Eberflus. Right. I don't like this head coach. Like, what the hell? We just botched that. Um, I like Fields. Brian, Brian Flores. Yeah, like, we could have had Flores. That would have been awesome. Um, I like Fields. I do. I like uh, David Montgomery. I like Darnell Mooney. But, like, that's not Cooper Cup Roquan and Smith. Cam Akers. I like Roquan Smith. But, like, he's not Aaron Donald. Like, that's the thing. So, you just have it better in every single category. But we talk about the Houston Astros, who obviously the runners-up. They fell to the Braves in six in the World Series. They're good. I think their window is closing quick. They lost their most productive player last year to free agency and to about $350 million on the other side of this godforsaken lockout. Give us the 60-second scoop, and then we'll dive into what the hell the Astros need to do to wring the towel dry of whatever they have remaining. The Astros opened up the 2021 season with an 87 win projection. I think the baseball world has to stop underestimating this team as they went on to finish 95 and 67. That was the second best record in the league and gave them their fifth straight postseason appearance. No Justin Verlander, no problem. The staff finished 7th in ERA, 9th in F4, and 12th in FIP behind Lance McCullers Jr., Luis Garcia, Framber Valdez, and plenty more. Alex Bregman struggled last year? No problem. This was the number one offense in baseball, even with their leader in WRC Plus since 2018 having his worst season to date. They finished 1st in WRC Plus, 2nd in F4, and 3rd in runs behind Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, you all know the names. The bullpen was also low-key top 5. They finished 5th in ERA and K's per 9, and 6th in FIP behind Ryan Presley, Roberto Ozuna, Will Harris, Colin McHugh, and the addition of Kendall Graveman certainly helped. The Astros stomped all over your White Sox in the ALDS. They beat down on the Red Sox in the ALCS and then came toe-to-toe with the Braves in the World Series, ultimately losing in six games. This team is star-studded, and they may be losing Carlos Correa, but they get back Justin Verlander. So let's make a few more moves to get this team back into the World Series picture, Mr. Jack McMullen. Yeah, they are good. Um, Really good. Like, really, really good. I'd say if you look at success on an annual basis, obviously with a down division in recent memory, uh, this is the most successful team in baseball over the last bit. Maybe not named the L.A. Dodgers or the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, But the Astros just always seem to find themselves there. 
and your eyes immediately go to the offense, right? They have forever with Altuve, with Correa, with Bregman when he was cheating and knowing when off-speed was coming. Like, there were uh, – I'm going to shit on Alex Bregman so many times in the next, like, 45 minutes. Um, just get ready. Yeah, just brace yourselves, everybody. So if you're Team Bregman, uh, you tune out now if you so choose. Um, or you could listen to me and listen to why I'm so out on Bregman. But what's great about Houston and how they have sustained the success – is because the second part of that, the pitching, maybe the unsung part of it, has been so good. And I'm talking starting really rotation. Solid. 2017, Charlie Morton shut that thing down in Game 7. McCullers has been there from the jump. They had Garrett Cole, who became the best pitcher on planet Earth during his time in Houston. You know, they've got guys that they cycle through. Zach Greinke was really good for them for a little bit. And then you've got Justin Verlander, who's wrapping up his Hall of Fame caliber career with Houston. So the rotation is good. It's underrated. I think there are some sore thumbs at the end of the rotation, but the front four, I do. I, I Uh, don't think, yeah, I don't think five and six are that good, but I think one through four, their playoff rotation, AKA uh, is really good. Verlander is the one coming back from Tommy John. I am not going to doubt Justin Verlander's ability to rehab from that injury. I think Verlander can be uh, an all-star again. You said Cy Young. I had a hot take. And sometimes I feel like you are allowed to have a hot take if you don't necessarily believe it. I disagree. I totally disagree. I think you totally can because my thoughts are if Justin Verlander is back to being Justin Verlander. He is back within the top five pitchers in the American League. You are on the Houston Astros. You are going to win a bunch of games. You're going to be on one of the best teams. And Justin Verlander could win the Cy Young. And that's more to show my confidence in him returning from injury at the ripe old age of almost 40. That's where it's coming from. So, But you believe it, right? Like you said that hot take because you believe it. I believe it's possible, yes. Okay. Absolutely. So, and I believe he will be one of the front runners. That's all you need. Like, that's all you need to have a hot take. You don't have to say, I kind of sort of believe that he might win the Cy Young. I kind of sort of believe it. And that's what I'm sticking with. And I'm you okay could with just, it. You could, strap, you could scrap all the weird adjectives and just say, I believe that <laughs> Justin Verlander might win the Cy Young. It'd be a little bit more precise with where you place your not certain words. Like, might? I just hid the shit out of that in that sentence. (laughs) I truly believe that Justin Verlander might win the Cy Young. Right? That sounds like a screaming hot take, but I said might, so it's okay. I kind of sort of like my uncertainty. I just don't like kind of sort of. I kind of sort of don't like those two words. Um Okay, Lance McCullers as the two. I am a McCullers truther. He walked everybody. If you stepped in That's the problem. and he could just he could groove fastballs, he could have walked you as well. But yeah. he's got crazy stuff. And like while walking everybody, he was also ace caliber for Houston. Yeah. He's coming back from a forearm strain that shelved him for the remainder of the postseason. I really think that if Lance McCullers was healthy for the World Series, there's a good chance that Houston wins that World Series in 2021. Um, his stuff, like just pure stuff looking at it, is some of my favorite to watch in Major League Baseball. Absolutely. It kind of felt um, taking you back to the NBA when Draymond Green gets thrown out of the series against the Warriors 
with the Warriors, excuse me, against LeBron James Cavaliers. Maybe could the Cavaliers, you could still make the argument that they would have won with Draymond. Maybe not. Draymond ended up, did come, did come back, so I guess it's not the same. But it almost felt like that. It wasn't like the absolute marquee star in Kevin Durant or Carlos Correa or Kyle Tucker and Steph Curry. But it was like one of their main guys, their staple at the top of that rotation. And you, who knows? They could have because they might have used him. But that's why I wanted to get into the argument about the other guys. Because the other guys were pretty damn solid in the World Series as youngsters. Yeah, so the Astros were two games away from winning the World Series with Luis Garcia and Framber Valdez as their World Series 1-2. And Garcia, he finished, what, third in AL Rookie of the Year voting? And then Framber mm-hmm. Valdez, who is a ground ball savant. Oh, no, Luis Garcia. Luis Garcia wasn't even a finalist. I thought he finished third. I don't think he did. I shall Google while you talk about Garcia (laughs) and Framber Valdez. But Valdez is a ground ball king. I love my ground ball kings. It was Valdez and Logan Webb that were like, they were the pace setters in terms of ground ball pitchers. Framber Valdez is a 10-year MLB starter. I can promise you that because what he does is sustainable. And no matter what cycle we're in in Major League Baseball, whether it's this love affair with the upstairs fastball and swings and misses, or we go back to shooting at the knees, Logan Webb and Framber Valdez will never be outdated. Valdez is always going to be good, and Luis Garcia has electric stuff. It's funny that you brought up Framber Valdez and Logan Webb in the same conversation because they were the only two pitchers in baseball last year in the entire season of 2021 that had a negative average launch angle, which means that the average ball hit off an opponent's bat is going into the ground. That's exactly what you want from your pitchers nowadays when everyone is emphasizing launch angle. They don't want you to get the ball in the air. And Framber Valdez and Logan Webb are guys who keep the ball on the ground. And Luis Garcia, another guy, Niara under 3-5. He's just really solid. I was wrong about Luis Garcia. He did not finish third in AL Rookie of the Year voting. He finished second in AL Rookie of the Year voting, Peter. Ah! Randy Arozarena won, Luis Garcia with the Astros, two, and then Wander Franco, three, Adolis Garcia, four, Emmanuel Classe, five. So you know why? Because I was upset that Emmanuel Classe was not a finalist, and it was between Luis Garcia and Wander Franco, and I remember, and I was like, wait, did Classe make it, and Luis Garcia didn't? That's where I messed up there. How about the Rays having three of the top seven vote getters in AL Rookie of the Year? It was a Rosarena one. Randy's like 30. Randy's 30, Wander Franco three, (laughs) and then Shane McClanahan seven. And you know how high I am on McClanahan. So that's that. Um, Yeah. And then you've got five and six. And I have zero faith in five and six. Jose Urquidy is the five. Jake Odorizzi is the six. Odorizzi can get up to the mid 90s. He can touch a seven-ish. Uh, He's got some solid secondary things, and he adds this quasi-veteran presence. I don't necessarily view him as a contributing veteran. I don't know what his quality experience is. But Jake Odorizzi, he's got some stuff there. Urquidy, I'm all the way out on. (laughs) And Odorizzi, I'm like halfway out on. I don't know why you're so... I mean, in the playoffs, like they were fine. They were good. They were good in spot starts. As a five-starter especially with Verlander. I mean, go through a lot of the contenders. There's not very many 
combinations of a five better than Jake Odorizzi and Jose Arquiti. Remember, we're at the bottom. They, they, they could legit be fours on solid pitching staffs, and they're a combination of a five. I think when you, it depends how you contextualize them, I guess. Like, am I expecting them to be legit starters in a playoff rotation? No. But I, am I expecting them to be able to make spot starts, be effective, and eat up innings for the Astros all season long? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Urquidy, here's why I'm out on Urquidy. Uh, yeah, he doesn't walk anybody, but he also hardly strikes anybody out. And okay. he also gets barreled all the time. Sometimes. but uh, Not sometimes. Some Jose Urquidy gets lit up often. Not necessarily out of the yard, but he's the 22nd percentile in barrel rate. He's your five-starter. He gets hit hard all the time. Deliver against good offenses. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Not pitch him at all? I think he's a a fine back-end guy. I think he's a six. I think he's a six. I don't think he's a five. That's why I think the Astros need a five. I mean, we can go get him a five. I don't know how many more better fives you're going to get than the combination of Jose Arquiti and Jake Odorizzi. I don't know either. I would like if Arquiti was the three-inning reliever guy. I would like if Arquiti was... He might be. Yeah, I want him to be the swing man. I don't necessarily want him to be every fifth day Arquiti's getting the ball. And also, there's just a guy who we aren't mentioning, and that's kind of the thing. That's why I was unsure where you're talking five or six. They have Christian Javier, who's ready and good. And performed in the playoffs. He could just be the five. And you could say sayonara all you want to Jose Arquiti. Yeah, so Javier is the best swingman in baseball right now. Like, that's Literally. just or what he them, made himself. Javier was untouchable in the postseason. So good. He was so good. So do you either go with the best swingman in baseball and have an identity crisis at the five? Or make Javier the five and have a depleted bullpen? But I don't know if it's that drastic. I think if you put Christian Javier as the five... And then Jose Arquiti slides into that swingman type role along with Jake Odorizzi. I mean, they should go back and get Colin McHugh, too. Yes. I mean, yes. I know he was at the Rays. Like, that's another guy who you can slot in there. That's where I feel like we're going to make some of these pulls because I think Christian Javier should slot in as the five. It would be a really solid five. Yeah, so looking at the long term, because I said the window is closing for them. The reason I think the window is closing for them, and it becomes a lot more apparent when we get to the position players, which we will do momentarily, but the bullpen is going to be gone either this year or next year. Ryan Presley, the closer, is in his final year of his contract. Ryan Stanek is done after 2023. Phil Maton is done after 2023. Aside from that, you have Hector Neris, Blake Taylor, Pedro Baez is in his final year of his contract. Like, this isn't that good of a bullpen. It's okay. I mean, Presley's good. T- yeah, Presley's great. He's one of the best bullpen arms in baseball. Stanek is pretty good. Naris is pretty good. Maton proved that he can, you know, be good in spots. But after that, it just gets kind of barren. And, like, uh, if if Presley were to go down, I mean, there is there is holes in the back of here. Like, they, they really needed Kendall Graveman. Yeah, so I want to go get a second closer. And before we do that, I do want to point out the prospects that they have on the mound because their number three prospect is Hunter Brown. Brown is likely not a name that many people know because the Astros have one great prospect, a couple meh prospects, 
And then that's about it. The Astros don't really have a great system. But Hunter Brown, per MLB Pipeline, is the third-ranked prospect in the Astros system. Obviously, you want to develop your top pitching prospects as a starter. I don't think that's where Hunter Brown is best. Because if he comes out of the pen, if he throws an inning or two, this is a top three prospect that's at 98, 99 miles an hour with one good secondary pitch. And I think that can be a Garrett Crochet type. You thought, hey, maybe he's a starter, but you know what? Let's turn you into a really good setup guy. Do you think that's what they will do with him? I want them to do it. I don't think that's what they're yeah, going to do with thing. him. However, they've got another guy. If they decide not to do that with Hunter Brown, Sean Dubin is a little bit farther down the uh, the top 30 on MLB Pipeline. Uh, I've seen Dubin throw a little bit, and he's 98 with a wipeout slider. So I think Dubin is one of those that you add to the pen and have a sixth, seventh inning guy that is, whoa, 98 at your face. Let's do it. But I do want to give them another eighth inning guy. I think if the Astros are going to go for any pitching, more so than a five, it should be a setup guy behind Presley. I agree. And I kind of want just a solid veteran who I know is going to be there. Just so say the his first name. two, I mean, I don't think no, I know I'm I'm going away from the bread box burgers and all okay, that. I'm, I'm coming up with I'm coming up with new names. I think Alex Colome could be a great signing for them or Jerry's Familia, and those names have just been around the block so much. But you know what you're going to get from them. You know they're going to eat innings, and they've both been electric. Alex Colome probably had the worst season of his career, so maybe that's why I say maybe you could get him for cheap. Jerry's familiar. I feel like you can get these guys for almost pennies on the dollar and they go to Houston and they turn into back into what they once were. I, I, that's where I'm seeing the Houston Astros um, with those two guys and Alex Colome and Jerry's familiar. Yeah, I like those names. I do because you've got the vet. I have no idea how much more tread on the tires Colome or Jerry's familiar has. So maybe you have to go get the setup guy via trade. But if you're going to go free agency, I like those two names a lot more than I like Chafin, a lot more than I like um, Boxberger. However... Just be a little bit more expensive. Yeah. But can I say one thing? Yes. I mean, Familia, Familia is 32, and how old is Colome? 33. So they're not just old bags, I guess. No, they're not. They're still... That's why they may be coming off a little bit of a down year. You get them for cheap. I think it's a great addition for the Astros. You can even get both of them. Yeah, I hear you. Um, now, here's what I will say, because when we were talking to Ryan Finkelstein last week, he wrote top five free agent relievers left, and Ryan Tapera was two. Tapera's mm -hmm. from Houston, Texas. He was an Astro previously. I think mm -hmm. Tapera's the perfect signing for the Houston Astros. I, th I think he's perfect, too. Um, it's just how expensive will he be. It depends where Houston wants to spend some of their money because Houston is not a team that normally will give out big deals. I don't remember the last big reliever deal they gave out. I don't even think it hasn't been anything of note in, in years. So I, I just don't think that's their M.O. Isn't Tapera um, like 59, I though? Yeah, I think I think that would it makes sense in hindsight. I just don't know if that's actually the Astro way. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I want to stay away from intradivisional trades uh, on the mound because I have a couple that I want to throw your way when we get to the bats. 
Um, but trade targets for them that I kind of enjoy. At the deadline, I think Melanson is going to be that hot name. Like we've talked about, he signed, you know, two years big money with Arizona. Why the hell did he sign with Arizona? I don't know. They used it so they could flip for a pretty good prospect return because everybody's going to want a good reliever. And Arizona, I think, uh, has the idea that Mark Melanson is going to be good again in 2022. So maybe you go and get Melanson. Another guy I want to throw out, if the Pirates are not ready to be a 500 team, uh, you could probably get David Bednar for what you have in their system. And I like Bednar. I think he's got really good stuff. Me too. I love that move. I was even thinking about it. Maybe should we come up with a trade for David Bednar? But when I look at the their farm system, they shouldn't really be getting rid of anyone right now because the farm system isn't that great. I want to save it for maybe some bats, you know, maybe an outfielder, you know, potentially a shortstop. I don't think so because they do have Jeremy Pena, which we will get into. Um, so I was thinking, oh yeah, of course, let's go get David Bednar. That was my first instinct, but I'm like, wait, we got to save some of these prospects. Yeah, hundred percent. So I don't know if they decide to do that now. I think they are going to stand pat on the mound, uh, after the lockout with the exception of maybe signing one more reliever. I hope for their case, it's to Um, I hope for my case that it's, um, I don't know, like anybody else, like Fernando Rodney, they pull him out of <laughs> Bartolo Colon, like I just want Brad Hand. Yeah, I just want an empty suit. <laughs> just taking time. Andrew Miller. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Uh, really, I love anything. Fernando Rodney. Yeah, Fernando. Right. You know what? Do it, Houston. <laughs> but he'd he'd save 45 games for them next year. Yeah, you know easy. He he's he's <laughs> an automatic 30 saves. You know who else is an automatic 30 saves? Is David Robertson. Oh, that yeah. guy. He could you be 60 save- years old, and the Cavs are still gonna look like Adonis, and he's gonna and save 30 he, games. And he's never been more than 92 miles an hour. Just yeah. high spin, top of the zone with the curve. You know it's coming. Can't hit it. Uh, sometimes I can hit it. I just don't know like how that guy was a really good reliever for as long as he was. He was really good with the Yankees. He was a setup to Mariano for a while. He was good, man. He really was good. He was set up to Chapman. He was good. He was the heir apparent to Mo. And then he came to the White Sox on big money, and he was like pretty good. But I was just like, how is David Robertson good? <laughs> so that was my thought there. Before we get into the bats, just a rundown on the payroll here, because the Astros have the seventh highest payroll in baseball. They're $24 million clear of the luxury tax in 2022. So unless they want to pay a lot more money and pay penalties, you only have about 20 to 25 mil to work with right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Having said that, 2022 is the year to pay it because a lot of these guys are coming off the books. And I want to give you a rundown, position by position, of who's coming off. Let's start with catcher, because both of your current big league catchers are coming off the books after 2022. Martin Maldonado, who for some reason is viewed as one of the best catchers in baseball, even though he hits 075. Uh, Who is viewing him as that? uh, The all-star voters, so the fans. And you know what? We're a podcast (laughs) for the fans. All right, whatever. He's good. Fine. Jason Castro is also in his last year. Then you go to first base, and 57-year-old first baseman Yuli Gurriel is in his final year. Yeah, but he fucking rakes. He won a batting title at 37 years old. Ah, he's so good. He's an actual good player, not Martin Maldonado. Okay, so Yuli Gurriel, I agree with you, batting title. Yuli won a batting title. However, he is in this final year of his contract. You look at the middle infield. Jose Altuve is locked up long-term. Hall of Famer Jose Altuve. Uh, and then you run into AL Rookie of the Year sleeper Jeremy Pena per Aram Layton, and I know you really like Jeremy Pena. 
But Aledmus Diaz is the other middle infielder you have on the 40-man right now, and he is in his final year on the contract. Alex Bregman. so much, too. Yeah, it hurts. Alex Bregman is locked up long-term at third base. Who is he? We don't know. And then you look at the outfield. Kyle Tucker, superstar. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, mostly the DH, but he can hop in a corner if need be. Superstar. Famer. Okay. <laughs> Not yet, but superstar Carlos already. Delgado. Carlos Delgado. Okay. And then you have Michael Brantley, who all-star, but in the final year of his contract this year. And then you've got like a billion options in center field with Chaz McCormick, with Jake Myers, with Jose Siri. So there's a lot going on here. There's some spots where we literally just do not need to touch anything. Second base, Mm -hmm. don't need to touch it. Third base, Bregman's the guy, whether he's good or bad. Like, it's Alex Bregman's position. And then, you know, wherever you put Kyle Tucker. Let's say he's in right. Probably, Yeah, I mean, it's funny. You, You might put Kyle Tucker in center, Jordan in left, and Brantley in right. But we got to talk about Chas McCormick and Jake Myers because both of them had a WRC plus north of 105, 109, 111, respectively. And both of them are solid defenders, especially Chas McCormick. He was in the, the upper fifth percentile in outs above average. I mean, he's got speed like no other in the top third percentile in sprint speed. These guys are talented and they're 26. And then they also have Jose Siri. I think we... And you're right. I When I look at that, I'm like, okay, we got to add an outfielder. But I also really want to see what we can get out of McCormick and Myers in center field. So I don't necessarily think we need an impact bat right now. But if there's someone on the trade market that makes sense, I could be intrigued. Absolutely. Yeah, I want to I want to get to the outfield last, actually, because I think that's where the, the problem that's lies. The decision. Um, yeah. Catcher Maldonado is in his last year. Jason Castro in his last year. But Corey Lee is their top prospect. Corey Lee is a big league catcher whenever he comes up. He's an everyday catcher whenever he comes up. After Adley Rutschman and Francisco Alvarez and Gabriel Moreno, it's probably Corey Lee. Like, Lee's a top 100 guy that is really good and feels like a really high floor guy. 23 years old. Um, he, he hit his way through A ball, double A ball. He only played nine games in AAA last year, but he hit, I think, like 230. He didn't play that well, but it was nine games. So, like, I mean, whatever. I think he's going to be totally fine. And I was thinking to myself, should the Astros call up the Minnesota Twins and say, hey, what is it going to cost for Mitch Garver? Because Mitch Garver becomes a free agent soon. But I'm like, you know what? Just ride with Corey Lee and Martin Maldonado and Jason Castro. That's perfectly fine. Maldonado is still a great defender. That's uh, just get Corey Lee accustomed to an everyday catcher's role next year and then have him full running in 2023. Martin Maldonado is your opening day catcher. Jason Castro yeah. is your backup. Have Corey Lee in AAA for however many games you want him to be there, whether that's 30, whether that's 90. Let Corey Lee be in AAA, and then when somebody goes down, if somebody goes down, that's when you can promote Corey Lee. And Lee is going to be ready to take the reins in 2023. I promise you that. So catcher, I don't think you need to touch anything. Go get a backup catcher in free agency next year. Bada bing, bada boom. Uh, so. First base, Yuli Gurriel. He's 38 years old, but Yuli still rakes. He's going to hit till he's 40. I'm not moving him. Yeah. So sign him for, you know, two years, 20. I'd give him another two years. I would too. 
I would too. Yes, absolutely. Would you go to two years 30? Yep. 40? Yes. Let's see how he does next year. Yeah. But Yeah. He won a batting title. Yeah. Like, if you have the money. He's like a good defender at first. He's good over there, too. Yeah. If you have the money, do it. Yeah, 240, yeah. I would. All right. Bregman's going to make $30 million next year. Yeah, okay. We've been shitting on him a lot. Doesn't it kind of feel like he's going to be good next year? No. Doesn't it? I mean, come on. Really? You're out. I, I bet Bregman strikes out noticeably more than he walks this coming year. Because mm. mm. he's been the guy historically to walk more than he strikes out. Absolutely. That's where he makes his money. Play discipline. OBP guy. I mean, he's also had the power. He's a 30 home run guy. Yeah, but he's but, had intel. That's my thing. Is he getting intel on every pitch throughout the entire season? He was 2017, 2018, and then maybe 2019. That's so shitty. But I mean, that's like, I don't, I don't want to Bregman's just the guy. Like when you think that scandal, I think Bregman. Aram yeah, walked through his splits. We can go. Altuve. No, no, I know we, we've done that on previous pods. We've done it. And yeah, it's just like, it's so, and the numbers point to you being correct and arm being correct. And everyone who's on the side of Alex Bregman, who's not going to, ever turn back to what he once was the numbers show that you're right it's just so hard for me to comprehend that does that make sense yeah so like Bregman I mean arms walked through his splits and his advanced numbers but just to put it plainly here uh debuted in 2016 at 22 years old you know struck out a lot more than he walked 2017 struck out a lot more than he walked 155 games he punched out 97 times he walked 55 but then came 2018, his two all-star seasons. 2018 finished fifth in MVP voting, 96 walks, 85 punch-outs. 2019 finished second in MVP voting. He won his first Silver Slugger. 119 walks led Major League Baseball, 83 punch-outs. That is a 296 batting average to a 423 OBP. 2020 in 42 games, 24 walks, 26 strikeouts. And then 2021 in 91 games, granted hampered by injury, 44 walks, 53 strikeouts. So, like, I think he's going to strike out more than he walks by at least 30 strikeouts. Give me a stat line that you think Alex Bregman will hit next year. Give me a slash. Give me his amount of home runs. So, Baseball Reference has his projections for 2022 in 449 plate appearances. I think he'll get more than that. 22 doubles, 18 bombs, 58 walks, 67 punch-outs, 268, 369, 474. That's an 843 OPS. Do you think he's better or worse than that? I think the power is better, but I think he underperforms in the batting average, the OBP, and the slugging. It may sound like a cop-out, but I kind of think that's exactly what he's going to do. Because in my mind, what I was thinking was... it. Actually, before you said that, I was thinking 20 bombs, 270, 360, 450. And that kind of lines, you know, with baseball references projection. I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff. I do think he's going to strike out more like you're saying. The batting average may dip a little bit. The OBP may dip a little bit. I think he's an 800 OPS guy. He's going to disappear. 
I think he's an 820 OPS guy. So okay. we're around the same ballpark. I, I don't think he'll be in the 900s, but I don't think he'll be below 800, I guess. Yeah, so he was 926 in 2018. He was 1,015 in 2019. It's elite. It's, it's elite. That Bregman's gone. Know, but, yeah, but. But he's the third baseman. Uh, DH and we is could set. be wrong. Like, it's not gone. We could be wrong here. That's the thing. We, we could, could be. be. We don't know what they're doing in the offseason. Maybe he's, I don't know. We could, could be. be wrong. I'm going to go down with that ship, though. Um, okay. You're I'm afraid the to go down on that ship. You are? Okay. I'm That's afraid fair. to go down on it. I'll, I'll do it solo. That's, That's fine. Okay. Um, no, but, I, like, I, I can definitely I recruit other people. If you need it. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. you have recruited other people. I can totally recruit other people. Uh, your Don's going to be the DH for the next 15 years. Boom. Love him to death. Yeah. Uh, and then the middle infield. El Tuve's got second base on lock. Um, again, Diaz in his final year, but Jeremy Pena, I think, is going to be the opening day shortstop unless they go big with the signing. <clears throat> Trevor Story. <clears throat> you think so? You think that's that's what they should do? I think this is the fit. I think it is too, but you said it yourself. They don't have that much money to spend before going over. I think it's more you go with Jeremy Pena and you sign a guy like Josh Harrison. We just spoke about him on the Marlins episode. Get a guy like that. I know I've mentioned him before, but another guy like Jed Lowry. Guy to give you some infield depth. Some guys so you can move around some other guys. Because I think Jeremy Pena, remember he was a glove first guy. I mean, he's out here getting 70 grades on defense, and he added a bunch of muscle, and it seems like the exit velocities are trailing that. He's going to be good. So I don't think you need – because Trevor Story, I don't think is going to want a one-year deal. I just – if he does, maybe the Astros do it, then that makes a lot of sense in the world. So Story – I will say this. The Astros do have the money to spend across several years with a lower annual value. So if they make no other moves, you've got $24 million in tax space to work with. I think you can get story for six years around 20 a year. Hmm. Six, 120 for story. He's going to look at the bias contract and he's going to be like, what am I worse than Javier bias? Yeah. No, Mm. no, you no. sure? Yes, absolutely sure. I think. Give me Trevor Story over Javier Baez. I just disagree. I think give me Baez over Story. How? We can get into it. All right, let's see. No, we don't have to get into it. We don't have to get into it. But like, I, we'll we'll pull that. We'll pull that on Twitter. Go check us out on Twitter at Just BB Media. We're gonna pull. Who would you rather have for the next six years? Trevor Story or Javier Baez, and we'll let the people decide. Yeah. Because I don't want to go into a statistical argument on two dudes who aren't on the Astros. Yeah, exactly. Um, but <laughs> yeah. Baez has already signed his big money. So if Story goes 6 yeah. 120, I think that's the play. I do have two intra divisional guys that I want to throw out here. Granted, the trade return has to be bigger if you're dealing within the division, but two guys that can I think I name would one be more? great. Yes. Sorry, can I name one more free yes. agent shorts up that they could go grab? They could go replace Carlos Correa's defense with Andrelton Simmons. And they just have so many good players on offense that I feel like you can hide him at the end of your lineup and he'll still play elite defense. That could be another guy if you want to stop gap right in there, maybe help Jeremy Pena over there. But maybe Jeremy Pena might provide something what Andrelton Simmons would provide this year. Yeah, see, I was thinking Simmons and Jeremy Pena yeah. are just like one and the same. Kind of. You might be right there. 
um, two interdivisional guys um, where the return has to be hiked, but I think it's not going to be an outlandish return that could be good. Um, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa could be a really good security blanket option to Jeremy Pena. Mm -hmm. And then if they really wanted to buck up and go get somebody to be the shortstop, J.P. Crawford. Do I think that the Astros and the Mariners would deal with each other? Hell no. But DePoto already did it with Kendall Graveman. There just isn't that much out there if you want to trade for a shortstop. No. Because all the good shortstops are on winners. That's why I think just go with Jeremy Pena. See what you got. Because the Astros are in such a good situation where they can totally afford to have a guy like Jeremy Pena at shortstop. You have so many automatic dudes who you know are going to rake. We, I mean, we don't even add Bregman in there. We know Yuli Gurriel is going to be phenomenal. We know Altuve is going to be good. We know Tucker is going to be good. We know Jordan's going to be good. We know Brantley are, are, is going to be good. Those five guys, there's not that many more consistent hitters in baseball. And they have five of them. So I think you just, you just started early with Jeremy Pena. See what you got. He's already an MLB-level defender. So you know that's good. This isn't one of those rookies where you're like, I hope the bat works and we're going to kind of have to hide him in the shift. No, no, no. This is now one of the best defenders on your entire team. Yeah. That's why I'm like, just go with him. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And I think you can get away with Pena at short and Diaz as the third middle infielder with Altuve. Um, and no, you but can be your first middle infielder. That's the problem. I think their bench needs some work. They don't really have anybody in, on infield. It's it's Almedes Diaz, and he gets injured all the time. He barely ever plays. So that's why I like Pedro Leon, who's their second yeah. best prospect. Yes, Pedro Leon has the best arm in minor league baseball. 80 great arm. Yeah. Wow. He wow. can be, yeah, he can be a shortstop. He can also be the eighth center fielder for them, if need be. <laughs> uh, Leon, I think, is really good. I think the bat has a long way to go, but Pedro Leon can be the answer at short if Pena doesn't work out. I think they should do the thing where they have the number two prospect in the system come up and be the third middle infielder. Could do that. So Pena is the starter, Altuve is the starting second baseman, and Leon, when he's ready, whether that's 40 games in or when Aledmus Diaz gets hurt, then you swipe Leon up. I think you do have to sign a Lowry or a Josh Harrison or a utility guy that can helps. fill in. Like it a helps, quadruple A guy. Especially with just rookies. Yeah, just rookies. I mean, these are all guys who have never had big league experience before, and now they're you know, going up to a World Series caliber roster, playing big games. I think you need a Josh Harrison or a Jed Lowry or somebody like that to at least, even if you don't get a ton from them on the field, like guys like Brett Gardner on the Yankees, you just want them in the clubhouse to bring along some of these guys. Like, I bet if we're talking to Jeremy Pena in two years and they sign Josh Harrison or Jed Lowry, he's going to say, Josh Harrison was a huge influence on me. We saw it with the Nestor interview. It just... These guys are important in clubhouses like this, and Josh Harrison and Jed Lowry are great clubhouse guys and can provide a little bit of pop. Yeah, I could absolutely see that. 100% see that. Um, last thing we got to touch is the outfield. Brantley in a corner, Tucker in a corner. Let's talk about what's going on in center. Because you've yeah. got McCormick, you've got Myers, you've got Jose Siri, and then you've also got Pedro Leon in a year who can play center field. 
That's mm-hmm. four. Do you have any really good World Series caliber center fielder in that four? I think Chaz McCormick is okay. He is a ph- he's a phenomenal defender. He's he's a great defender. So your up the middle defense right now is Maldonado, Pena, Altuve, McCormick. You're locking shit down. You're locking shit down. And then on the corners, that's where you got your power. That's where you got your power. And then you got Jordan at DH. Let's say center field doesn't work. Let's say McCormick isn't that great. Let's say Jake Myers just can't hit. All right, put Kyle Tucker in center. Put Jordan in left. Put Brantley in right. Now, that solves your problem, but it's not to the level of defense that you'd want in the outfield. I want athletic outfielders who are going to go run down the baseball. That's Chas McCormick. That's Kyle Tucker. That's Michael Brantley. I think, and I sent you guys this text. I'm like, what the hell do the Astros even need to do? Because their holes are like kind of holes, but I'm also excited for the guys that they're going to plug into those holes. And their hands are also kind of tied because if they want to improve, they don't have much money to work with and they don't have that much of a farm to work with. Exactly. Exactly. It's hard. But that's not like it's hard. Before I throw out a couple of names, um, I don't see any free agent names. Like, when I was looking at free agent center fielders that you could sign, like, there is no upgrade here. I was looking at Delino DeShields and Billy Hamilton. Like, there's nothing. (laughs) Um, So, like, before we do this, let's power rank these four guys to start 2023. Okay. That's the caveat. McCormick, Myers, Siri, and Leon. Cormick, Leon, Myers, uh, 2023. I just don't know how good Pedro Leon's going to be that by then. But I'm going to I'm gonna say Chaz, Pedro, Jake Myers, then Siri. I think I want Leon in the infield, um, but I'm going to include him anyways. I go McCormick, Siri, Leon, Myers. Hmm. I like Siri. Siri flies. Siri does fly. Siri flies. Watching him in the playoffs, he glides. But I don't know if he's going to hit. And a lot of guys are fast. McCormick is, like, really, really fast. I I think Jose Siri's bat might be the worst out of those four. Um, but then again, I, I should go back and watch more Jose Sierra because I haven't, I obviously, I haven't seen a ton of him. Um, I remember just watching him in glimpse of pieces and then watching some video, but I haven't seen a ton of him. Um, so I, I, I just, I'm riding with Chaz McCormick and I think Jake Myers is a solid backup. Yeah. Um, I don't think they should touch anything now. I think when July 31st rolls around, there are two names. There are two names that you should be looking at. They are on winners. They are free agents at the end of 2022. And if one of those teams is on the downswing and they're looking to sell, these are the guys you want. And I'm willing to give up Myers and another one, Myers and Siri, for a half-season rental of Kike Hernandez if the Red Sox slip up. You think Heim would do that? I don't know. I'm also willing to give up. Myers and Siri for a half season of Brandon Nimmo. Huh. 
love that. Would the Mets do that? That's the big question. Like, would the Mets and Red Sox do that? And the answer right now is hell fucking no, Jack. Shut up, you idiots. But one of them might hit injury issues and the season might be a wash. Everything happens. And get return on a guy that's going to hit the open market. Anything could happen. The Mets could go down a spiral and say, all right, we got to just cash in on Nemo before he's gone. Exactly. They They just signed Starling Marte. Right? Like, say DeGrom gets hurt again. Say, God forbid, Scherzer gets hurt. Like, things can go south for these sides. Say the veteran pitching staff doesn't work out. Say Sale is not who Sale once was. Say Yavaldi is not who he was. Like, there's just a chance that these, like, this season doesn't work out for either the Red Sox or the Mets. If they're both contenders, that's a moot point. And if McCormick is really good, then it's a moot point. And if Siri looks like a really good backup or a capable starter, it's a moot point. I'm just saying, if shit hits the fan with the current center field depth chart and with the Astros and or the Mets, those are the two guys that I'd be calling. I think the Nimmo one makes a ton more sense. Nimmo seems like an Astro, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I mean, so Nimmo's from Wyoming. Uniform. Like, Nimmo's weird because he's from Wyoming. Nobody's from Wyoming. Well, that he, and that he would, I guess that he doesn't make sense on any team. Yeah, like, maybe the Rockies. <laughs> <laughs> right? We need a team down there. In, uh, we need some teams in the middle of this country. We need some more. We've got them. The Omaha Storm Chasers. Triple A, double A, single A. Kansas baseball in Lawrence, Kansas. I mean, the Royals, but they're in Missouri. Wait, why do we have none in Alabama? We have none in Mississippi. Uh, the Biloxi Shuckers. We've got like a whole double-A pipeline in the state of Mississippi. Tennessee. And Alabama. Hey, dude, you're you're in double-A country right now. Chattanooga, the Smokies. I know. I know. I'm talking about the big leagues. <sighs> Nashville's the next ad. I think Nashville just, that checks yeah. off like the South. <laughs> just checks it off. You're good. Yeah, it's like we're we're I mean, there's five. There's like there's like eight teams in Texas right now. Yeah, I mean like where are the ads? Nashville and Charlotte, like those make the most sense. Nashville Vegas and, and Vegas takes care of the uh, the Great Frontier. Portland. <laughs> yeah, Damian Lillard. <laughs> Dude, he's in a terrible situation. Sucks. Yeah, yeah it sucks. Sucks. <laughs> sucks so bad for Dame. Feel bad for you. Ah. Uh, you should right. go to the Lakers and lose. <laughs> Run us through this team that we assembled, and then we'll we'll answer a question twofold that I have to end the pod. Okay. So at catcher, we have Martin Maldonado and Jason Castro. Hopefully, Corey Lee can make somewhat of an impact this year, but he is their number one, number two prospect, however you want to slice it. At first base, Yuli Gurriel. That's it. You're good there. It's Yuli Gurriel. He won a batting title. Second base, Jose Altuve. You're also good there. He's still elite. Third base, you got Alex Bregman. And then at shortstop, I'm starting Jeremy Pena. And then behind him, I'm signing Josh Harrison. And you have Elmedes Diaz just right behind him as well. And then you could also, you know, bring up Pedro Leon when you need him. Left field, you know, it's probably going to be Brantley. And then in center field, I have Chaz McCormick. And then in right field, 
we're going with Kyle Tucker. And then at DH, we're going with Jordan Alvarez. Their starting rotation, Justin Verlander, Lance McCullers Jr., Framber Valdez, Luis Garcia, Christian Javier, with Jose Urquidy and Jake Odorizzi filling out whatever spot starts you need. And then the bullpen. You know, you got Presley, you got Stanek, you got Hector Neris, you got Phil Maytone, you got Blake Taylor, but we're also adding... Tapera? Jerry's... Should we add Tapera? Is that... Because I feel like, would it be better for them to add a Ryan Tapera, or is it better for them to add two relievers who are cheaper and worse? I think you can add still both. good. Tapera's like 34 years old. I think... I Like, I think he's, he's actually a 34. Deal. Yeah. He's want a two-year, probably... 15 mil a year. I'm fine with that. That's 7 million committing to a bullpen piece. But what if I said Jerry's Familia is 9 million and Colome is 10 million and like you get both those guys for 19 million instead of 30 million for Tapera for two years? I don't. I like, I think sign quality over quantity. (laughs) I mean, quality over quantity. They're not terrible. But like, here's the thing you've got the space to sign both. Yeah. No, you. Oh, you have, so you would sign Tapera and you'd sign Familia. Possibly. Familia. So okay. let's say like let's say you sign Familia to two years nine. That's four and a half. And then you sign Tapera to two for 15. That's seven and a half. Seven and a half plus four and a half is 12. Yes, 12. Yes. That's 12. Okay. You're still 12 under the luxury tax. I like it. This is a good team. I mean, that's I texted verbatim this morning. I'm going through all this Astro stuff, and I can't find areas where they need to get that much better. I love this team moving forward in 2022. I've called the Angels my dark horse. You know, I think that they have a possibility to win the division. But the problem is they always have to go through these Astros. And, and we've talked about the Mariners, how we think they could possibly make a big run this year. But they got to go through the Astros. And the Astros should be, again, one of the prohibitive favorites to make it out of the American League and face whoever they got over there in the National League in the World Series. Okay, so with the additions we made, who is more likely to win the World Series than the Houston Astros, team-wise? In the American League? Uh, Overall, because I think... Overall. I think they're the favorites to come out of the AL if they make those additions. The White Sox looks... Your White Sox look damn good. Okay, so the White Sox, who else? I also think the Rays are going to be good. I mean, no glass now is tough. It's tough. But you... We're going to expect McClanahan to make a jump, Patino to make a jump, and then yeah. Shane Boss is going to be freaking unbelievable. And, you know, Wander is going to have a full season. Randy, I mean, they got they got dudes. And then, you know, I think the Blue Jays are going to be really good again. I think the Yankees are still going to be good. I think the Red Sox are going to be good. The White Sox and the Astros, Angels, Mariners, those are the contenders in my mind. Okay. With the Guardians... Like sort of no 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 you you're saying the Guardians that's not the question I asked yeah Yeah. the question I asked is who's more likely to win the World Series than the Houston Astros out of all the teams you just ran through in the American League do you feel confident in in any of them they're the favorites they're the the favorite in the American League and then the NL the Dodgers I think the Astros are more likely than the Padres I think they're more likely than the Giants me too I think they're two Uh, yeah Braves without Freddie. I think they're two. I think they're two. Okay. Now, if they and did nothing. They could be one. I think they're two. Over the Dodgers. No, I'll take the Dodgers. Dodgers lost Max Scherzer. They lost. <laughs> yeah, but they, they didn't. Corey Seager. But, but like, then they, the Astros lost Carlos Correa. 
Here's the thing. You say they lost Max Scherzer, but they didn't have Max Scherzer at the beginning of the year, and we still said they were going to win 110 games. And they didn't. yeah, they yeah, lost. they lost Seager, but they also didn't have Trey Turner at the beginning of last year. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good. No Kershaw anymore. Maybe. We there's, have no idea what's going to happen holes, there. But I'm saying that – but both of our main points are this is one of the most well-constructed best teams in baseball. Right. It's the Dodgers, and that's it. Now, to end the pod – if they made zero moves, if they just go in to opening day with the roster they have now, I think they're still two, are they? I agree. They are still two. I think these move, moves, could you could make the argument, put them into the one category. Because I think they're a couple bullpen arms away and some depth away from... Uh, no, that's not fair. If they had two more relievers, they're the better than the Dodgers. But that's how close it feels to me. Yeah. All right. So, like, this was actually kind of the least we played GM and more just, like, giving you the rundown and where they could improve. Like, I feel like we just kind of did a season preview of the Astros. But also, has there been better conversations that we've had? Because it's it's like you could just go in between little holes so much and really dissect it. I feel like we got into the nitty-gritty. Yeah, we can get away with calling this a GM conversation because we just talked about Nimmo and Kike Hernandez and we talked about free agents. And we made a couple free agency signings. Yeah, there we go. They are they are the new Josh Harrison is now an Astro. Um Jerry's Familia is now an Astro. And Ryan Tapera is now an Astro. Yeah, maybe we should trade Soto to the Astros. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, I think that's it for me. What you got? Not gambling advice dropping tomorrow. Or today. Not not gambling advice. Our top ten catchers in all of fantasy baseball will be dropping tomorrow um that's not gambling advice you can find that episode in the link of this podcast description get your just baseball merch also located in the podcast description hats hoodies the whole nine we're also jack's pulling out his just baseball shirt right now um, which you can find on youtube as well you know this is going to be a very fun season, and I'm just excited. And I wish the freaking lockout would end because I'm getting a little bit tired. Yeah. So like, here's the thing about this lockout. Um, not only is there no baseball, and by the way, don't go anywhere because we will be talking so much college baseball. Because if there's baseball on, so we're going to watch it. Uh, yes. We're also going to be talking minor league baseball when that gets started. If MLB does not start on time, um, yes, sir. because minor league baseball will still have prospects, just nobody on the 40 man rosters. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be talking about whatever baseball is going on. If our only option was the KBO, we'd be talking about the KBO. Um, and that's that. I was going to say one more thing, but I'm forgetting right now. Thank you, everybody. 